Hello from Houston. Welcome to the Highlights Podcast, brought to you by the Houston Young Lawyers Association. Our goal is to learn, lead, network, and serve. And welcome back. Welcome to Highlights, everyone. We have a really, really fun one. I'm, I, I can't, <laughs> I'm really, really excited. Yeah. Uh, my name is Femi, and I'm a transactional attorney. My name is Patrick. I'm an arbitration lawyer, and we're both in Houston. Uh, yeah. And joining us today... <laughs> I, I, I forgot to say that. So <laughs> it's all good. I Hopefully, the brand is on point, and they know where, <laughs> yeah, they know yeah. where we are and where we're coming from. Um, so joining us today is um, a former HILA president, but also a, a very successful partner at Kirkland and Ellis, John Furlow. Um, John, thank you for joining us. So John is a hey, corporate partner at Kirkland and Ellis. Um, he focuses on a number of different kinds of transactions, but largely M and A in the energy sphere. Um, he graduated from Vanderbilt in 2009, got his law degree from UT in 2012, um, and has been working here in Houston since graduation. Is is that right, John? That that's exactly right. Um, I would also add that uh, I'm a Houston Ooh, native. Nice. Went to uh, Lamar High School. Yes. Um, and I know you guys are Houston natives as well. Um, I love, I love this city and, um, I, you know, I spent four years away in Nashville and then another three in Austin, uh, but I, yeah. I always couldn't wait to get back. <laughs> well, so I guess it was, it was part of that. And I guess we, we mentioned that you, you do a lot of energy transactions early. So it was part of that. Did you know you wanted to do and come back to Houston for energy? When did that, when did the energy thing kind of pop in for you in, in terms of your legal career? Yes, yeah, so that, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know if it was necessarily planned. Um, being in Houston, you know, we're we're the energy capital of the world. We have we're we have more energy. Uh, we have more engineers per capita, I believe, than any other city. Um, there's a lot of very special things about Houston. I think our healthcare industry, our energy industry, uh, and you see Houstonians, you know, working for, for a lot of the super majors who are deployed all over the world. I mean, it is really the intellectual capital uh, for energy uh, of the entire world. It's incredible. Um, and so I, I think my, you know, my grandfather, after fighting World War II, he came to Houston. Uh, you know, grew up on a small farm in Alabama. And, uh, you know, after seeing the capitals of Europe... <laughs> Decided that you know, life on a small farm probably wasn't wasn't the most attractive to him, so he picked up my my grandmother in Tulsa, which was an oil capital at that time, and, and moved to Houston. And he started in um, you know, the oil and gas business and the midstream business, and what a, a company that would become uh, yeah. Transco, and then Transco became Williams. Um, and and so you know, as a kid, it's not something we we talked about extensively, um, but that was really you know my grandfather, uh, on my mother's side as well, also came to Houston. He was from Tennessee, fought the Korean War, um, spent some time in Dallas, and then and then started working in the energy industry uh, here in Houston. And, and so it's if if you look at the history of of Houston and compa- compare to a place yeah. like Chicago, like compare where those two cities were in 1900 versus where they are today. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Houston was a dot on the map. It was nothing. And over a hundred years, you've really had, I mean, if you, you, I love Chicago. It's beautiful. You incredible architecture. Um, but everything in Houston's new. And you have just over the course of, I think, really post-World War II, this migration of everybody being yeah. drawn to Houston, the population skyrocketed. If you go downtown, I mean, everything is, is relatively shiny. Um, and so that's that's the history of my family, how they came to Houston, uh, both drawn to the oil and gas industry. And, uh, you know, Houston, of course, is is quite diversified now. But that's it's really a, a key yeah. part of what what we do even now as attorneys. Um, I, I'm working on a few renewables deals right now. Just closed a, 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 an oil and gas deal. Um, so it's yeah, I think we're we're diversifying more. We're adapting uh, to the changing climate. But I, I think really the heart of what I've done um, as an attorney in my, my practice mm-hmm. so far has been primarily oil and gas, but certainly not exclusively oil and gas. And I think it's, you know, from my perspective, I, I love our clients. They're very entrepreneurial, very down to earth. Um, awesome. And I love, and I love I, the industry. I really I appreciate that you brought up that, you know, you work on renewable deals. Um, most of the people that ask me how my practice is, you know, they say, oh, do you only work on oil and gas? And no, I don't. Like, just similar to you, I, maybe a little bit less than you because I don't have the number of deals, but I do work on renewables deals. And I think a lot of people would be shocked to, to realize that there's a lot of that work here in Houston. Like, when we say energy, it means every sort of aspect that that's considered in that community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it really is incredible, and I, I really hope that it, as things, you know, I, I think we we see where where things are, are going and where things will trend over the coming decades. And I, I really hope that that yeah. Houston retains that dominance in energy, and I, I think it will. You have some of the best, most experienced players, and I think it's hard to replicate right. that anywhere else. You have you have power lawyers in different cities, but there, there's really something. Um, there are a lot of similarities about how it's transported, how it's marketed, um, and, and just the fundamentals of the business that are, that are similar. There's obviously a, a lot of differences as well. Um, but I think you, you see people moving into that. And I think that there's just a, a really great skill set. I think there's extremely um, highly skilled professionals yeah. here in Houston. Uh, not talking about just, just about lawyers, but um, also in investment banking, finance, private equity, accounting, all of it, engineering, um, it, it, it's you have all of those people that really come together yes. to make any business um, a, a successful. And um, I, I think you know, as I hope Houston adapts, um, that that's that's a part of it. And you know, it's, it doesn't go to like Chicago or New York or, or San Francisco, but it stays here. And, and I, I think I, seeing a lot of the deals that we have going on, I, I think that's going to be the case. I, I also think that oil and gas is, is not going to go away. And, you know, five yeah, or ten years. I think I think it's here to stay. I think it's a it's an important commodity. More of a comment and less of a question. Um, but I mean, as far as like Texas and Houston, I, I feel like I might have heard this for the first time in law school. But this idea that Texas is also like not just like incredible in like the oil and gas space, but also kind of the top, maybe close to the top, if not the top state in the renewable energy space with like wind energy um, and solar. I don't know if that's still the case, but I feel like that was sort of a factoid um, recently. Um, 
And so it sounds like that's also indicative in, in, in the practice and energy where you see those kinds of deals, I guess, for any you as well. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's that's exactly right. If you ever are up in the Texas panhandle, like fly into Amarillo and, and just, you know, a few minutes outside of the mm-hmm. airport, um, you'll you'll see huge wind turbines. And I, I think, I believe Texas is the leader in, in wind wind energy production. I think that the difficulty is, is transporting it to you know major areas where like Dallas, um, and there have been a lot of efforts and a lot of investment that's been put into you know transporting that energy efficiently to those markets. Um, but I think Texas will continue to be the leader. A lot of listeners are really interested in this. So, can you explain, mm-hmm. especially to maybe like a five-year-old, what is transactional law and what does it look like? That is a great question. Um, so I, there are, are a lot of aspects. It's very key to have the background foundations from law school. And I think there are a few classes where, that are particularly helpful. There's a lot that, that aren't particularly helpful. Um, but I, I think you're really, you, a couple of columns I, I see to the practice of transactional law. One is, is real technical expertise and understanding of the law yeah. and how it works, and how to enforce a contract, right? Um, and the other aspect of it is you're you're yeah, like yeah. A, a consultant and when you're you're negotiating a deal that's it, it's a different skill set and you're you're there to advise your client not just on here here's what a contract says or here's how you should draft a contract yeah, uh, these are the yeah. terms you should push for but what's market um, here's here's this is what you know here, here's one option but here are three other options, and this is advantageous to your business and your bottom line. And this will, you know, have lead to a higher RR if you do this, or this will protect yeah. you. I mean, I think you're yeah. you're maybe a consultant's the wrong word, but you're an advisor, um, and, and there's a lot of trust placed in lawyers and transactional lawyers, um, and it's it's very different than the litig- litigation. I you know, have the highest respect for litigators, so don't don't take it the, the wrong way. I, my, my wife and I talk about this. This, this quite frequently, um, and I, I get lots of jokes from her and, and her partners at um, at, at Beck Redden about what a, you know what a transactional lawyer does. I'm sure you guys I've have heard some of those jokes as well. Like, not really. The one that I've heard is like I'm just a paper lawyer or like a, a copy paste lawyer, <laughs> which is so not true. <laughs> yeah, just, right. just you know put a swap right. out the dates on that precedent contract, and you know that's all you have to do, right? Um, no, it, it's not that. I mean, it's really, it, it's knowing, and, and you guys, I know you're at the beginning of your careers, which is very exciting. I mean, I, I think it's a very experienced space and it's not like something you can walk out of, you know, it's a second year lawyer and know what market is. And I, I think even, even, um, practicing for as long as I have, like, you know, you're always learning and you're always being attuned. You're always learning. The market's always shifting. And so you always have to be intellectually curious, reading a, a lot, and then just, experience and and you know i think you hear that the failure is the mother of all success i I think that's true when you face issues and you have particularly thorny deals where where things can get get tough and you're in a really tough negotiation i think that's where you learn the most and and you can be most helpful so i I think you know my my biggest i know this is going off on a tangent but my, my biggest piece of advice to to young lawyers, especially transactional lawyers starting their careers, just get as much experience as you can, you know, be on as many deals as you can. Um, and don't always go for 
the the biggest deals because sometimes those are those are the easiest. Sometimes it's the small deals that um, you know, especially as a young attorney, can really teach you the most. I, I owe a lot in my career to a lot of uh, a lot of great mentors, like um, Bob Gray, Jeff Dobbs. Um, you know, when I was a young attorney, they they trained me, and and I remember it sometimes threw me to the wolves. And it was like, here, you're going to run this deal. It's a these were not energy deals, but these were like um, venture capital deals, which are which are smaller, and it's hard to do those at, at a, a big law firm a global law firm with, with the rates we have. So it's like, well, we'll give it to the, the juniors. And, you know, we'll provide oversight, but you know, you're going to have to figure this out. You're on your own. And so I remember one of the first deals that, that I did that was a preferred equity deal. And um, I don't know if you guys have worked on those, but basically there, it was a tech company and they needed some additional capital to make a number of investments, hire a bunch of people. It was really, really cool stuff. And I love the business. I love the entrepreneurs. I got I got a lot of great experience, but I'd never worked on, on a prep deal before. And so yeah. um, I just spent a lot of time figuring it out. And, um, and I think it's important to get those experiences. It, was, it wasn't a huge deal. It wasn't a billion dollar deal. It wasn't a hundred, even a hundred million dollar deal. Um, but it was, it was great because I, as a, I think it was like a second or third year, I, I had, mm-hmm. was able to take ownership with, with good oversight, of course. Um, and, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. So um, no, I, I think that's really great to, to provide. Um, you know, th- I think, as you said, transactional law is sort of half attorney, half consultant, which I've seen. And I've just been shocked personally in my very short experience to, to see how varied your day can be. Uh, you know, and not, not to say that litigators don't have very, you know, drastically different days, but as a transactional lawyer, you might walk in thinking you're only going to look at contracts and you end up having to create PowerPoints to persuade, uh, you know, a, a board of directors, or you might have to, you know, look things up on, um, on the SEC website. I mean, it's just incredible the, the vast amount of knowledge that you have to pick up and apply every day as a transactional lawyer. So you, of course, graduated college, entered law school, in the aftermath of the, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009, um, and you were also practicing during the 2014 energy crisis we had here in Houston. Um, and I guess th- those other pieces happened earlier in career. I'm interested in knowing how that kind of informed your your beginning in the practice of law. Yeah, that I think that's that's a that's a great question. I mean, uh, when I was in law school, when I graduated from college, it was like the single worst time to graduate from college since the 1930s uh, and be on the job market. I I was looking at doing um, instead of law, doing investment banking, and um, so was was going to do some interviews up in New York, um, including for you know a company, a few a few uh, investment shops that no longer exist, right? Yeah. Uh, including including Bear Stern. Um, which is just, just kind of crazy. I, I'm, I'm very glad that I went down the law school route. Um, it, it panned out instead, but, um, it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was, it was so difficult to get an interview. Um, and, and, and you know, plus there were multiple rounds and then unlike today, and this is the key part, unlike today, back when yeah. you had a summer associate position at a firm, there was no guarantee you were getting a job. 
And so um, I remember, I think in, in Houston, and this wasn't at every, every shop, but it was like a lot of places had 50% of the people who were offered summer associate positions mm. would have, would have jobs. Uh, you know, I, I know, I know it, at, at my law firm, uh, and I think this is something that we're, we're very proud of, is we uh, essentially offer offer everyone. I mean, it's a, it's a guarantee. If you make it through the interview yeah. process, which we have a great interview process, and I think we really get some really every person I, I, that I has gotten a summer associate position has been phenomenal. Um, but I think it's it's just different that it was just a completely different mentality back then, and and. I remember not not to lie. I feel like I'm going back and be like I, when I was a kid I walked uphill both ways in the snow. It's it's not like that, but but I remember working, um, and and I would work late yeah. every night because I wanted to guarantee that um, I, I had a job. I mean it was it was different. I think I think now it's it, there's not as much like you know, I'm sure you guys saw some stuff when you were summer associates like people goofing off and not taking it seriously and not not doing not. Yeah, doing all the work that they oh, probably no, should I, on our side. I, I never saw that. I, and I, I think there's, <laughs> yeah, when I was yeah. somewhere, says to me, you worked, and um, everything had to be perfect. And I, I just remember, uh, my, my wife was a summer associate at the same time, and um, it, it was just, it was, we were yeah. just very nervous every day. Um, of course, you, you don't you don't put on a face of, of nervousness, right? But you're, just, you're you're very concerned about everything has to be perfect. Every conversation has to yeah. be perfect. And probably overdid it. Uh, but I remember um, at the end of of my summer associate clerkship, um, I was getting married, and so we got married in Austin. I still remember exactly where I was when I got the the call. Yeah, uh, I was at the Driscoll Bar in Austin. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been there, but highly recommend. Yeah. And that, that's what we were getting married at the Driscoll. Um, and we were sitting down and then my phone buzzing and getting a call and knowing, wow, I'm, I'm going to have a job after graduation. And um, it was it was an incredibly tough time, incredibly stressful time. And there were some incredibly talented, smart people who in today's time, like didn't didn't have jobs yeah. upon graduation. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely scary. It was terrifying. And um, and you know, fortunately it, it worked out. I think, I think Jackie and I um, worked really, really, really hard and to make sure that, that we had that, that opportunity. Anyway, flash forward. Um, by the time we graduated and we're working, things were, things were up and up in Houston. Oil and gas was, was over a hundred dollars a barrel. And on the transactional side, we were doing deal after deal, after deal, after deal. And then Bottom fell out of the market um, in June of mm. 2014, and instead of doing like uh, all you know capital markets deals that were or M and A deals that were were positive about growth, it was about how, how can we yeah. um, extend the runway. I think it, there was a lot of that um, used to do a lot, a lot of capital markets. Uh, I, now I've shifted my career. To, to M&A and private equity almost exclusively. Um, but we did a lot of like note exchanges where you would, you would, for those of you who aren't transactional lawyers, notes are like corporate bonds, um, where you would basically just change them out and you would say, so you have a, a bond that would come due mm -hmm. in 2015 and the, the interest rate was like 10%. And so you would, you would switch it out for one that, didn't expire until 2018. So you had you had some runway, but okay. you may pay, pay a higher 
higher price. You must have higher coupons, okay. like 11, 12%. And um, so you know, a lot of those companies survived. And then a lot of a lot of those companies that, that I did just were unfortunately did not. And um, have had a few um, that that raised a, a lot of capital and, and then subsequently um, went went through bankruptcy. And this is when I was was a junior associate, and it's you know you put so much yeah, work in, yeah. they put so much work in, and then you know if oil were at a hundred dollars a barrel or even eighty or seventy, it would be it would be complete. I mean, it would be different. I mean, I, I can can't imagine what Houston would be like if oil were still at a hundred. I mean, the the ability of this city to weather such drastic downturns in, in such a core industry yeah. is incredible to me. Um, and here we are again, the, you know, I remember there was a, had a, had a client that um, they were producing a barrel of oil at the cost was like $85 a barrel. Mm-hmm. It was a cost. And so there was, you could have a margin when oil was at hundred. Um, but that, that that business just can't operate at, at a lower price. So that that business, unfortunately, at great team, great management team, ceased to exist, and, and the management team members pivoted and did other things. But yeah. that was gone. Um, and, but there was you know incredible technological innovation. People brought costs down. People adapted, and um, so it didn't go away overnight. You know, oil went down to to twenty six dollars a barrel Boy. back in. 2016, which was yeah. a significant low point, um, and then things things somewhat recovered, right? So you had oil in the in the 50s and 60s, and that was that was the new the new normal, and then um, yeah, I think that still was was not not enough, not high enough for, for a lot of a lot of companies, um, and a lot of them became you know highly levered, and uh, so I, I think there's recently. With COVID, again, you had another crisis like you did post-2014 uh, in which people are, are having to adapt. And um, so at, at, at Kirkland, um, you know, we've done a lot of a lot of energy restructurings. I think we're, we're probably uh, almost certainly the leader um, in that in terms of, of number and, and dollar amount. And um, it's, I think it... it Looking, look at at a, at a very high level. Um, you know, we we recently did one that, that closed last week, and it was okay. uh, for offshore company. Great, great people, and um, just the, the market. It's just it's just the commodity prices were so low, and so through this through the, the bankruptcy process, um, it shed a lot of leverage that it had, and and can start can start anew with new capital, new investment. The employee, there's, the employees are are going to be employed after after the bankruptcy, and the company is going to going to start fresh. And, and I expect to see see great things out of it. Um, and that's I think that's, that's a really miracle uh, of bankruptcy, and um, the way that you know American law is right. is set up. I mean, it provides a great framework for companies that are that are over levered. Face a drastic situation, they don't yeah. just die and disappear. There are, there are options. The reborn, right. and um, so I, I think it provided a, a lot of a lot of good outcomes for a lot of people. And um, you know, the creditors sometimes become yeah, equity owners of the company. Um, sometimes, sometimes there's a sale process. So this this recent one, there was there was a sale process, and we sold to to new owners. And um, it's 
it's always interesting. I, I, I love Houston and I, I really hope that, um, and I think that we will get through this, but it, it's a, it's a really historic time. And, um, you know, I think as, as attorneys, we're, we're busy. Uh, I, I would say almost busier than, than I, I've ever been, but we're doing slightly different things. And it's not just bankruptcies, it's advising on new types of situations like force majeure um, that's come up with COVID. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of different issues that you didn't see before. And, and they're, they're always in, in downturns like this, there are always great opportunities. So we're looking at uh, you know, healthy M&A has returned. We're looking at a lot of consolidations in the industry uh, which I think has, has been long overdue. When, when I was in 2014, people were talking about, oh, well, this will force companies to consolidate, merge, come together. I think for the first time since I started, you're really seeing a lot of pressure. So I'm working on a few processes right now where, where different companies are looking to, to to finally consolidate. We'll see if any of those those you know go, but um, there's been a really renewed pressure to um, to do that. I'm sure there are a lot of like law students and, and young associates who are, across the board just like happy to hear that sort of thing and i think you mentioning force majeure and like other things in this time is a really good example of what what you mentioned earlier as far as kind of staying trying to stay on the cutting edge of like developments and things because i remember seeing so many questions and things about force majeure when when all of this first started yeah ab- absolutely it, it, 2020 has been like a force I mean, majeure clause you know we've They've run out of, of names oh, for the no. tropical storms and hurricanes. Yeah. When, when, was, when was the last time that happened? Um, so <clears throat> the, um, the, the deal that we had that, that closed last week uh, was, was offshore. And, you know, we were, yeah, every, every week you would have the operational update on, well, are the assets okay? And, and I, I think there wasn't any you know, drastic damage, but it was, it was you know, you kind of held your breath like, is everything going to be okay? There's nothing that's going to be other. Well, platform is going to be knocked down into the water or just gone. Um, I, I think it's just just wild, wild times. So this is it's a great learning opportunity. Um, and you guys, it's it's maybe not a little disconcerting to be going through this as 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 a, an associate, but I think it's a really great opportunity as well to to learn a lot. Uh, so just keep your your eyes and ears open and just try to take away as many lessons as you possibly can because the I, I remember hearing this when I was was a, a first and second year associate like you know with the the energy industry in particular but but all industries you know there there are ups and downs and there are always waves in the energy industry yeah. there's obviously a lot more um ups and downs well so one thing as far as um COVID-19 that I just would love to get a better idea of what kind of the day-to-day has been like for you. I, I understand you have a family and you mentioned that, that your wife was also um, an attorney at Beck Redden um, or a partner at Beck Redden. Um, and so what is what has it been like working from home and with children? Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's another big adaptation. Um, so I, I think we didn't have an office set up at, at home. Uh, yeah. Now we both have office set ups at home. Uh, we have trained my, my very wily four-year-old um, that if, if we're on a conference call, he has to do his best to be quiet, which that is often the case, <laughs> not successful, sometimes, sometimes successful, um, comes in with, with a couple of trains and, and starts making train noises. Uh, 
it, it's been it's been a huge adaptation. I think there's the, the lot lots of silver linings. Um, I think one is is you get to spend more time um, seeing your your children. So I've, I've also have a four year old and a one year old, and the the one year old, um, you know, I guess it was September of last year when she was born, and um, I didn't really take paternity leave. There was a lot of stuff that was was going on, and, and yeah. I was front and center and, and just couldn't, couldn't step away. So I was traveling a lot to New York and Philadelphia for, uh, for a number of transactions and elsewhere. And, and so I didn't really, unfortunately get as much time, um, as I would have liked to yeah. spend with, with my daughter. Um, and that, that continued through, through early, early 2020. It's just kind of the, the nature of our practice. And, everything ever since things have been locked down since right. March. I mean, I, I see her every day and, and could spend, I, I may be working uh, 10, 12, 14, yeah. sometimes yeah. more hours in a day. Um, but, but I'll, I'll see her and I'll get to spend some time with her in between, you know, conference calls. Um, and, and that's something I regrettably did not. I mean, life is about finding, finding balance and, um, I think, I think it's helped with that. And I get to spend a lot more time with my son, which is, which is great. And um, I think there's, there's also some more efficiency. So I think you can just wake up and, and start, start working immediately, which is great. You take the, the time it would take to commute and get dressed and, you know, put on a suit. Um, and, and that time can be spent working. So I, I think that that's good. Um, I know there are a lot of people who aren't particularly happy about the situation. I love yeah. my office. I love being in my office. Um, and I look forward to going back. Um, but, but I think it's, it's incredible how well everyone in our profession has been able to adapt. I think it's more impressive oh, yeah. on the, the litigation side. Um, I, I'm sure you've seen it with your colleagues. You're, you're huh. doing depositions and trials yeah. um, by Zoom. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's just it's wild. Very quick um, adjustment. Great. <laughs> And I will say that, that during all of this, I, I try to to balance things uh, with my wife, but I, I I I could not do it with, without her. It's probably the toughest thing is just when we're both really busy, and um, dealing with the kids is is not easy. So I and I'm sure there are some parents who will be listening to this podcast, and it's like I, I, yeah. I feel your pain. I understand it's it doesn't have to be just lawyers either. It's it's just rough, uh, and there's there's not always a great solution, but. Um, yeah. 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 It, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's definitely solidarity in the uh, parenting struggle for you. Um, I, I'd honestly say, like, I think it's just incredible that, you know, parents went from sort of, you know, having their kids at school to now being a full time teacher and chef and nurse aide and, and all these things. And while also working a full time job, I mean, it's, you know, it's real. Um but yeah, I think we're all going to benefit from this, and and the fact that we're all getting a chance to see our families more, um, at least most people are, is is it's a good outcome. So one one question that I think uh, a lot of people are interested in is just, you know, you're a partner and you're a partner at a big law firm, and that's not an easy feat. So I guess it's a two two sided question. So how did you did did you decide to become a partner or did you sort of find out, hey, I've been here and, you know, I'm up at bat and I want it. Um, and in, in terms of what that means from going from associate to partner, 
the, in terms of an analogy, is it sort of like winning a gold medal? Like I finally, you know, achieved this culminating moment or is it sort of like I have finally qualified for the Olympics and have to prove myself? Yes. Good, great, great question. So I think this is, this is something that I did always want and, um, and, and strove for. And, and obviously this is, it, it, it takes a lot of work and I, I can tell you yeah. in my starting class, uh, when I was when I was a, a, an associate, I, I think two of the people are no longer in law, and um, you know, I, and I, I it's just a lot of uh, as you as you have seen it. It's a it's a really it's a really tough job. It's a stressful job, and yeah. you have to be willing to pull all nighters, um, you know, and 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 do it with with a with a smile um, as a young associate. And it, it's it's you. I think that that lessons that I can impart, if any, are always be willing to work. Um, I, I would say don't turn down any work. And I think that's generally a lesson, but there are times when it's important that you do because you you want to be able to meet the client's demands and, and the demands of your, your colleagues. And, and sometimes you can't, you just cannot, you literally cannot balance yeah. no matter how, how late you stay up at night. You cannot, you literally cannot balance everything. And so it's, it's, you do have to draw, draw appropriate boundaries. But I think as a general matter, some philosophy, the way you should orient yourself is I need to get as much experience as possible. And so I, I shouldn't be turning down anything that, that I, that I can yeah. do. I, I should be there to help. And um, I, I think that was, you know, I think coming out of, and maybe I didn't mention this earlier, but coming out of, out of the great recession um we were just so grateful to have jobs and, and to have have the opportunity i mean there was there was zero entitlement yeah. um to people coming in um for, for a, lot, a lot of my colleagues just because we were we, we were one of the few that, that got jobs and we were so grateful for that and so grateful for for being being brought in on a new deal i think i always loved what my clients were doing and i always found their businesses really interesting so that was like a another motivation for me but i think as a general matter is this this practice is so experience based and there's so much you you can learn i mean even even in my you, yeah. you have to you have to keep learning and so going back to your question about about partnership i think it's just working hard and having a great attitude and and i think that will carry you a long way i i had some really excellent mentors i mentioned them earlier but you know jeff dobbs uh bob gray Bill Heller, um, early early in my career, they were they were great technical lawyers, and, and also um, really had great client skills. And I think you, you need you need to marry those those both. And so I you know I well, trying to follow in their example and some some other great examples that some of the really excellent attorneys at at Kirkland who aren't aren't that much older than me, but um, have been really great mentors. Mike Constantine, Bill Benitez, um, and, and a lot of a lot of others um they're just really great lawyers yeah. and provide great role models uh, working with yeah, on deals um you know it's, it's such a it's a collaboration you just pick up stuff just by seeing how other people operate and especially if they're the top operators um you just learn a lot doug bacon's another one i didn't didn't mean to leave him off kim hicks um and adam larson um all exceptional exceptional attorneys and anyway regarding the olympics i i think it's it's not winning the gold medal. It, it's it's a work in progress. I think yeah. things things shift, and the way the way I think about it is, um, 
you're, you're putting a, a level of responsibility and trust and it's, you know, everything yeah. stops with you and you are ultimately responsible. And I, I think, you know, one, one piece of advice I would offer um, for, for associates, I remember learning this vividly when I was a young associate is if, if you send something to the other side and they don't respond to you yeah. with, with what you need, you know, it's on you to make sure to, to do the following up and follow up with them. You can't just say, well, they didn't send it back to me. And I, I remember this happening when I was a junior associate. Well, they, they haven't sent it back to us. And I was like, well, that's your fault because you haven't followed up. And I think that's, and I think it's, that's a great, it's a great lesson is it always has to be on, on you and, and really take a responsibility and ownership. Um, as a, as a, as a young partner, I think you are, you have a lot of demands and you have a lot of expectations and a lot of, a lot of great opportunities. I think that the thing that, that I love the most about it, um, is you get to see even more insight into a business and how a client is thinking about something because you're brought in from the very, that's very true. outside yeah. right of a deal. Um, and sometimes as a, as a junior says, you don't, you don't get to see all the components, what, what's going on behind the scenes and, and you can really get the full picture. And another part of it is, is building a team. And, um, I've been very lucky that, that so many of the, the associates, the young attorneys that I work with, I genuinely really like, I want to see them succeed and they're, they're excellent. And I, I know that so many of them are going to. And I, I can't wait for them to to be partners because I think they'll be excellent for the clients. They'll be excellent for the firm. I, I just hope they stay. And I, I think I think a lot of them, them will. And I think a lot of them will succeed. But I, I think it's that's the biggest mm-hmm. shift. I would also say uh, from a day to day basis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I know. So whenever I'm working with a partner directly, and you know I want to send them an email, their outlook. <laughs> their outlook light is like almost always on red, like in a meeting, in a meeting, in a meeting. Well, in a weird way, I guess describing yep. it like that, yep. a sort of a work in progress does it make it a little more, it, it sounds a little more accessible, honestly, it's like a first, it's not like a, a, a switch automatically happens when you when you make partner, but I mean, recognizing that you're always sort of like working and trying to right. improve, even even when you cross that threshold and, and you're still all working on like building your practice and learning, um, it just kind of changes the role a little bit, um, is a little refreshing to hear. Yeah, and I, I think you'll hear that. You'll hear that from, you know, I, I'm, I'm young. Um, I haven't been a partner for that long. But I think you'll hear that for, for, for you know, a partners at the top of their game who've been practicing for 20 years is this is always a learning process. And you're always adapting. And you always have to be willing to adapt. And, um, and just keep, keep your mind open that way. I think, you know, I remember as, as a very young associate um, reading about the 10,000-hour rule. And I think I think that's a good way to look at at what we do. And there's such it's transactional, but there's so many different facets to it, and, and so many different things. And I think is over time I've, I've specialized in M and A and private equity, and um, I love those those practice areas. But it was good early on to get capital markets, um, venture capital. I mean, all all, all of these different things, you know areas of, of experience right. have informed how I look at look at the deals that I do on, on a day-to-day basis, but it, it is a work in progress. You always have to be learning. And I, I think, you know, you guys are, are both at, at great firms and, um, you know, you're, you're constantly going to be learning whether in arbitration you know, on the transactional side, it, it, um, 
it's a great thing. And I, I think that that's one of the undervalued aspects of our profession. One, we have air conditioning. So that's, that's a good thing. So got to appreciate what you have. And then you're also in a profession where yeah. you're learning constantly. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a good thing, not, not a bad thing or, or a burden. It's just like, there's so much I didn't know. Um, and, and you know, the great thing about, um, that I, that I love about practicing at Kirkland is we have such a depth of expertise in so many different areas. And I think that the thing that the firm is focused on is really building specialization. So it's, you know, we've got some incredible regulatory experts in, in DC that I work with quite frequently, tax experts, which, which now the tax code, you know, back to sports. I, I'm not going to try that. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I have some general understanding of, yeah. of how it works. You have to, um, but they, they fortunately, really make it easy. Um, and I think, you know, in our side, it's, you really have to know how a transaction is going to work yeah. from beginning to end and what a client should expect and what, what is, a, you know, say a, a super aggressive term by the other side. And yeah, you just yeah. say, no, that's not, that's not market. That's not uh, what we expect. That's, you know, may use this word if you need to, yeah. but that's outrageous, right? Um, and you, you counsel your client, like, this is not something you should should agree with. So uh, agree to. Um, I, I think another aspect of, of where, and I think you'll, you'll get there when, when you guys are, are senior associates too, is you really become an architect um, in addition to, okay. to an advisor uh, for, for framework. So on the deal side, uh, we were looking at a couple of transactions last week and set up a framework for how a business could be run. Um, you know, client was, was in private equity and was looking to invest a large amount of capital. And you're, you're built, building out how the structure, because you're, you're working with other people, with, with people with you know, real experience, they need capital mm -hmm. to go out and build a business. And you have to build a framework so that that's an enduring relationship that not only provides a, a return, right, which was what it's all about, um, and, and a sound investment, but, but also make sure that you know, that relationship isn't blown up right. a year from now. Um, and that it's really, you're, you're building foundations for, for hopefully a very successful business yeah. um, that will last for, for decades and hopefully longer. Um, I, I love being a lawyer. I love being a transactional attorney. Very it's, uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm we really optimist. appreciate your time, John. You've been very generous with us um, as a very busy partner. I know, um, taking the time to sit down. I mean, we could honestly spend another hour asking you questions, but I, and I, I'd, I'd love it too. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys have had some great questions and it's just, it's just fun talking about this stuff. We you know rarely get to take yeah. a break away, right. And just kind of high level talk about Houston well, and, yeah. and the, the practice. Um, no, but it's been great. Thank guys. you so thank much, you. John. And uh, we, we truly appreciate it. Great. Well, look, right, look forward bye. to the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Lives Podcast, brought to you by the Houston Young Lawyers Association. To reach us, please email us at highlifespodcast at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you if you have any comments or questions about this episode or thoughts on a future one. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.